What's up, everybody? This is Anthony. This is part two of our chat with Jaspreet. If you missed part one, it's right there on the podcast feed. But if you've already heard part one, you're in the right place. Let's pick up where we left off. Let's say there's somebody out there who might be listening or watching right now that doesn't feel like they're as smart or as uh, privileged or in a position that they're like, yo, I don't have access to these books or the people that you have access to. So if like, if I'm starting out from scratch, right. And like, I'm like, okay, fine. Like I, now I'm learning about, I just learned the word investing today. Like, yeah. Like what, what sort yeah. of advice would you give to that person? So let me start with like the actual practical advice of like, here's what you can start doing right now. And then more of like a theoretical, if you want to do something bigger, what can you do? So if you want to just start investing your money, here's like the reality. The stock market historically has grown by around 10% a year for the last century. That doesn't mean it goes up by 10% every year. It means on average, if you look at it over the long term, it grows by 10% a year. But most people statistically lose money in the stock market. Now, when you look at those two things, how does that make any sense? Well, it's because most people who try to put their money in the market don't know the actual ins and outs of investing, and they don't have the psychology of knowing how to hold or buy or sell, and so most people end up losing. So the first thing is now understanding, okay, if I want to invest my money in the market, and I don't want to be like an investor, like I don't want to research companies, I don't want to study the financials, I don't even know how, no big deal. There are things that you can do. There are funds that you can invest in that will give you exposure to the stock market without you having to put in the work. So what does that mean? So there are funds. One example, one type of fund is called an ETF. There's a couple others. One's called an index fund. One's called a mutual fund. But I'll talk about ETFs because they're probably the most accessible and easy to use. ETFs stand for exchange traded fund. And when you invest in an ETF, you're investing in a group of companies. So instead of investing in the Amazon company, you can invest in a fund that gives you exposure to Amazon and 499 other companies. So when you invest in this one fund, you're investing in a whole bunch of companies. So now you don't have to worry about like that risk of mm -hmm. that one company going down to zero. Now what you do is you can look for a few funds. I'll give you a few examples. I'm not telling you what to invest in, but just a few examples. VTI is a fund that gives you exposure to the total stock market. So when they say invest in the stock market, VTI will give you exposure to the total United States stock market. SPY is a fund that gives you exposure to the S&P 500, which is a group of the biggest 500 companies in the stock market. DIA is a fund that gives you exposure to the 30 companies in the Dow Jones. The Dow Jones is, if you ever heard of people talking about the stock market, they're probably talking about the Dow Jones. That is the most commonly referred to group of companies that give you an idea what's happening in the market. And then if you want to invest in the NASDAQ, which is the 100 companies, largest companies in the stock market that are not financial. So a lot of these are tech companies. QQQ is a fund that gives you exposure to that. Now, again, I'm not telling you what to invest in, just some examples. So now when you invest in any one of those things, you're getting exposure to all those companies. The next thing is now, how do you invest? Because if you want to be this type of investor, you don't want to just take $100 and put it in and never do that again, because that's not enough money. So what you need to do now is build a system. And there's a lot of platforms online that will automate this for you. But you want to build a system where you're going to automatically, passively, and consistently invest. So that means take whatever money you can, come up with a number for a week, whether it's $10 a week, $100 a week, doesn't matter. Take some amount of money, either every week or every two weeks, or at the least every month. Have it automatically pulled out of your checkings account and invested into one of these or some of these funds. You can pick whichever funds you want. And now, no matter what's happening in the market, whether you're in a recession, a market crash, or a boom, 
you continue to do this because the biggest mistake people make is that when you see the market go down, they stop buying or they start selling. That's not what you want to be doing. More millionaires are made during market crashes and recessions than any other time because that's when these assets, these investments go on sale. So the only change that you'd be doing is investing more because what you're doing now when you invest in these funds is you're literally marrying these funds. You want to be investing for at least the next decade. If you're not investing for the next decade, then you shouldn't even start like this. And so understand that going in. And then if you see the markets crash, you see your investment portfolio go down 50%, you don't sell. You keep doing it and you hold on. And it's it, this is hard and it's easy to say, oh, okay, that makes sense. But when you see your investment portfolio go from 10 grand to $5,000, that's where now people start to panic. Mm -hmm. But this is where you got to remember, you're not investing for two months. You're not investing for two years. You're investing for 20 years. So what's happening with the short term, you don't change. You just keep investing. And if anything, you invest more. And if you stick with that, the numbers historically have told us that you will make more money, especially if investing in these types of funds. And that's where historically the stock market has grown. And if you believe that America is still going to be a strong economy in 20 years, you just keep sticking with this. If you think America is, is uh, going to be the 10th country in the world and you don't think America is a place to invest, then maybe you invest in emerging market ETFs. There's there are, Now you can invest in ETFs that have exposure to companies and countries overseas. You can do both, right? So now it's just understanding what is it that you want to invest in. You build a system, now you don't have to worry about it and you don't even have to stress. You just keep doing it every week. So I would say that's kind of like, here's where you start for anyone. You know, what's crazy. That's, that's, especially at my age now, I'm, I'm, you know, 36 now. And I hear that. I'm like, absolutely. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. But I, I'm ashamed to say that it probably took me like six, seven years to learn that on my own through different things. But that's a lot quicker than most people, man. You hear you're, that? You're a fast learner. <laughs> you hear that mom? Yeah. You're well, a fast so, learner. Like, it seems like, um, what I'm getting from you is, a mindset, a discipline, and consistency. Yeah, and then you know, compound that over time, then yeah. you'll see the results that you you want to see. Um, do you have a formula for that? Like, let's say I'm making a if, if I'm making a hundred dollars a week, like how much percentage of my hundred dollars should I be investing, saving, and spending? Good question, man. So yeah, I like to say a general rule of thumb is at the bare minimum, what you want to strive for is 75, 15, 10, which means for every dollar that you earn, 75 cents is the max you can spend. 15 cents is the minimum you should be investing. 10 cents is the minimum you're saving. Start with that goal. If you can't do it tomorrow, work towards that. Once you get there, then you can decide if you want to stick there, if you want to be more aggressive with your investing. Your investing is what will make you wealthier. Your savings are what protect you when things go wrong. And your spending is what you can use to buy your Gucci. So it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you got to kind of make sure that you're always paying yourself first. Uh, but mm. this is where now you always are putting some money aside to invest no matter what. And that's where that discipline comes in. And that's why I say automate it. Because if you automate it, you don't got to have as much discipline. Mm. It's You don't even see the money. Totally. It's right. just being put right. out. And you just got to make sure you don't yep. touch it. So that's where that, you know, that real like the automation is so important. Because if you do it manually... You're going to forget. You're going to want to buy something new. Right. You're going to want to- There's a lot of emotional, like, yeah. So that, just that take the emotion out and just automate the whole thing. And yeah. are you a person that's like, take your investments, let's say you're in a more capable position to like, you know, uh, kind of have a more diverse portfolio, so to speak. Are you somebody who's like, same thing, take that same mindset and mentality and discipline and automation and put that in varying markets? Or are you like- mm. 
start at this one if because if you can get this one good then you've created a passive engine that might be able to fund this one and this right, is a little right, bit more of a right. risky thing therefore you know what i'm saying yeah. so i'll talk about me because i think everybody is different in how involved they want to yeah. be because you know the the general rule is when you do one thing and you can build one thing then that can fund the second and third but you also want to kind of be an opportunist at least for me like i started in real estate and that's all i did i was like i'm not investing my money in the stock market why would i want to do that that's stupid and so i was just buying real estate i made money for one reason only i made money to buy real estate not for me to live in but for me to rent out and that's the only thing that i did my shoes had holes in them i was like <laughs> just not spending money on going out to eat i was not going on vacations i was just like no i'm gonna i'm gonna buy more real estate and then i started to change a little bit as prices became more expensive and i was like oh okay the opportunity isn't here like it was where can i find the next opportunity so then i put money into the stock market and then i was like I could have even better returns if I put this money into my own business. So then I put more money into my own business. And that's where, you know, you can have higher returns, but more risk. My business can go bankrupt tomorrow. Yeah. And I lose everything that I put in. When I have real estate, at least I have land. I have the bricks with my business. So what do I got? And that's where, you know, I can get better returns, more risk. And so it's, where is that opportunity for you? Because people... Now, I, I get the slot where people will say, dude, how am I supposed to start? You started when real estate was so cheap. It was easier. And I'm like, yeah, dude, it was the opportunity at the time. I will also say a lot of people had more money than I did then, but mm -hmm. they weren't buying. And this is now understanding you need the opportunity and the education. So where is that next opportunity going to be? Just pay attention to what's around you. If you see opportunities in the stock market, take it. If you see opportunities in real estate, take it. Maybe it's in cryptocurrency. Maybe it's in artificial intelligence. Maybe it's in your own business idea. Maybe it's in something else. Like, and everybody's opportunities are different. And just finding what's right for you will allow you to kind of really capitalize on it and, and grow. And don't expect that whatever you do next is going to be like that. This is what I have to do and it's going to be right. Like I think most people... You screw up a lot of times, and, you, and then that's how you figure out what is going to be right. Mm. But you got to be willing to go through that. How would you advise somebody? Because we're talking now about like risk tolerance, right? Like we don't know what's going to be the next <laughs> thing that pops, right? Yeah. Whether it's crypto, real estate, whatever. How would you, like, if you want to be safe, is there something that is like, this is the safe thing to like start with? The safe thing. I mean, if you want just the safe thing, I would say put the money into the markets that we just talked about. Put it into like the S&P 500 into the total stock market and just keep doing that for the And we're talking time. about a long play here. Long term, yeah. Right, yeah. But then, you know, the safe play can also hurt you in the sense that you you miss out on potential other bigger and better opportunities. Mm. So now, how much risk are you willing to take? This is going to look at now, where are you in life? If you're young, you're like, dude, I want to I wanna take more risks. I can afford more risks. I want to do something big. Okay, then where is that? Well, maybe it's in your own business. And this is really now also... One, like what you were saying, 100%, ignore the noise. If everybody is doing something, don't do it 99% of the time. Because if everyone's doing it, then there's probably something going on there. And so like when you hear people talking about how everything is so good in a meme stock, you already missed it. Mm. If you're doing it after everyone's talked about it, if it's hit the news, you already missed it. So you want to find something that it hasn't hit the mainstream yet. If you want to find that type of higher risk, higher potential opportunity, what is that? I don't know. And that's where you know you got to figure out what is right for you. It's like someone asking, what business should I start? I don't know. What do you like? Where do you find someone's pain? And where can you solve that pain? Where, where can you solve a problem? How can you make something better? And that's the real kind of like, you got to discover that for yourself. And you don't know if you don't know where to start, but you want to read books. Like that was what really helped me 
And I would say like you get an MBA level education just by reading books. Start by reading books on like entrepreneur biographies, people that you like, people who you look up to, who you think are successful, read their biographies, read five books on starting a business, read five books on how to scale a business, read five books on money management and investing, and then read five books on how to manage people, how to manage the business itself. If you read those 25 books over the course of a year, you are going to know so much more in 12 months about money, business, and that will help you then make the decision because you're just more knowledgeable. So start by learning, just absorb content. If you don't know anything, just learn yourself. And that's the place where you can put money too. I love that. So we've had some fun, obviously talking about like, you know, the, the new investor that maybe doesn't have all the answers and is getting like, you know, from very foundational knowledge, but just for fun, um, you're obviously, you've been in the game for a long time. You've made, you know, obviously a lot of success and financial freedom for yourself. What investment plays are you making nowadays? All right. So I invest my money in five places. I invest it into my own business and startups. So I have three companies now. I have Briefs Media, which is my newsletter company. So if anybody wants to stay up to date on what's happening in the financial news, or you have a business idea, we have newsletters for you. Like my Market Briefs newsletter, that's one of the newsletters for investors. It's free. It's a daily breakdown of what's happening in the financial markets. My Business Briefs newsletter is a breakdown of the latest business trends, innovation trends, and what's happening. So this is catered for entrepreneurs. That's at briefs.co. Then I have Market Insiders, which is our financial education platform. This is a paid subscription service where now you get access to classes, you get coaching on the app, you get access to the community. It's an actual like mobile app, or you can do it on the computer, marketinsiders.com. But this is where now you can go to learn more education. And then I have Buzz Legal, which is my, it's funny, I started a law firm. I don't work as an attorney, <laughs> but I have a network of attorneys that I work with. So like, let's say you have a business idea, you want to trademark it, or you need a patent, or you have a copyright that you want to do. We can refer you to an attorney that can help you with that. And we have a good network of people that can do that. So that's that. So now my biggest investment is into my own business ideas. So now when we're trying to grow one of these companies, I'm taking cash and I'm putting it into this. That way I can grow the business. This might be hiring more employees. This might be advertising. This might be doing a marketing campaign. This might be new softwares, new things to grow these businesses. I also invest in some startups. It's in the same business realm, but that's smaller, kind of more, much more risky, but more fun because I like working with entrepreneurs. Second is real estate. I like real estate because it gives you the cash flow. There's a lot of uh, tax benefits to investing in real estate and you own a hard asset, something that you can see, feel, and touch. Third is stocks. Stocks, because it's accessible, it's a way to get exposure to the economy. And I invest in stocks passively, like we talked about. I also individually invest in companies. Fourth would be crypto. This is more on like the speculative side, a smaller piece of my portfolio. I have a, again, this is passive, where I invest in a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of Ethereum, and a couple other coins every day. And it's not a lot of money. It's a small piece of portfolio. So if this went to zero, I'm okay. It's, it's speculative, but I believe in the blockchain for the long term. And then 2% of my portfolio is physical gold. Again, this is like every month I just buy a little bit of gold. It's on autopilot. This is like my doomsday insurance. Like it's, it's a savings. <laughs> I, this is not like, I don't really care what's happening with the price of gold. If everything goes wrong, the world is ending and the dollar goes to crap. I imagine that gold would then kind of come back as the reserve currency of the world. 
So that's why it's on gold. Just like mm. insurance. It's just yeah. zombie apocalypse. Zombie yeah. apocalypse. I believe insurance. that. I believe in that. So you're talking about automating certain things, dollar cost averaging. Yeah. Right. So can you explain what dollar cost averaging is? So dollar cost averaging is what we were just talking about, where it's you have an automatic system. You're consistently, passively, and automatically buying something. So instead of knowing exactly when to buy, because nobody knows the perfect time to buy, no one can perfectly time the market. The people that do try to time the market end up either paying too much or, or selling too low because you're trying to perfectly time. But instead of doing that, you just set up the system where let's just say every week you're buying. Now, when the markets go like this, you have some to buy here, some to buy here, some to buy here, and then you kind of average out to you know wherever your buys are, but now you just keep buying more and anytime you get paid, you just keep buying more. Mm -hmm. And so you could do that easily in the stock market. You could do it with crypto. You could do it with gold. With real estate, it's a little bit tougher, but now there are funds that let you do that too. So you're not buying the property yourself. You're investing in a fund that gives you exposure to real estate. But it's a, like if you want to be a passive investor, you don't want to have to worry about it. You just want to put a little bit of money to work so you're building some wealth while you're doing whatever else you're doing. It's fine. That's when you set up these types of dollar cost average systems. Now it's passive. You don't got to worry about it. At least start with that. And that's like kind of going back to like the whole purpose. It's like we, everybody should at least be doing that. And if you're not, you're really shooting yourself in the foot because then eventually you're going to get to a point and you're going to say, I worked all these years. I put in all this time. I made all this money. What do I have to show for it? I got a car with payments. I got a house with payments. I got kids with payments. <laughs> I got, But I got nothing else. Right. And, and now it's like, how do you have the payments coming in mm. rather than going out. Right. And that's right. that mindset shift that, you know, it's like you got to be a little bit inspired and know that that's possible. That way you start learning about how do you actually do it. Yeah. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Speaking of payments, debt. Right. When we buy a car, we finance something, we're essentially like paying a certain amount. We're in debt to a bank, company, whatever that is. So obviously debt sounds negative in, in people's minds. Like I owe and then there's interest that I owe. Can you break down in your mind, is there such thing as good debt versus bad debt? And then if so, what do you consider good debt and what do you consider bad debt? So Debt by itself is I'm spending tomorrow's income today, then I got to pay it back plus interest. So if you're spending tomorrow's income and all of next year's income to buy that purse, well, you're going to have to pay that purse back with tomorrow's income and more. So that's what debt is. For regular expenses, these liabilities, the things that don't make you any money, when you go into debt to buy them, you are not only spending more than you would have, but now you also got to pay that money back plus interest. So never finance anything that's not going to pay you like that, with the exception being your home. Now, if you are going to go out and buy something that makes you money, now what's going on here? Well, I'm going to buy this thing with tomorrow's income, but this thing is going to pay me back. That means this thing is going to pay for the debt itself. 
Mm. And if you can do that, now you're using tomorrow's income to buy something that's going to pay you and pay for the payments. And so now you just created a new stream of income. Like this could be like a rental property. And if you can find a good deal, which is harder now with interest rates going higher, but it, you know it's like being patient. If you can find a deal where you can buy a property and now the tenant is paying rent and that covers your expenses. Now your expenses are covered. Your mortgage is covered and it's putting some money in your pocket. Now you're using your debt to make money as opposed to make somebody else rich. And that's where it would become okay. But of course, you want to be smart with it because you can go way overboard and you can take on too much debt. And more debt just means more headache. And for some people, it can make a lot of people really rich. It can make some people lose everything. And now it's like, how much headache do you want to deal with? And just kind of knowing that and being willing to manage that. And this is a mistake a lot of people make in the stock market because they don't realize that margin means debt. So when you go to a stock brokerage account, many brokerages are going to say, hey, you qualify for $5,000 of margin. And you say, oh, what is that? Because that's what I did. I didn't know margin was debt. So I started trading that money. And then I found out that it was debt. So I stopped trading that money. And then three, four months later, I get a bill saying I owe interest on it. I'm like, I haven't even touched this money. Why do I owe this? So I called up the brokerage and they were like, well, it's in your account. You have access to it. So you have to pay interest on it. I was like, turn that off, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and, and that's where it's like understanding there's a cost to debt mm -hmm. and it can make you more money. It can also lose you more money. So first build the experience before you go out and kind of use a whole bunch of debt is what I would say. From our listener standpoint, even from ourselves, you know, like money is a constantly, it's it's in our minds daily, right? You know, mm -hmm. we wake up thinking about how we're going to make our money today, how we're going to make our time valuable. People say time is money. Like it's so prevalent, right? And it could get overwhelming. It can get stressful. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so many relationships struggle over financial issues and yeah. agreement on things like that. Is there a point where you shut that side off? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. what, what does that look like for you? And, and that's a hard question to answer because like, even for me, like I work a lot and the definition of work changes like in different phases of your career. Like for me in the beginning, work meant I had to go somewhere, bust my butt. Like when I was working at weddings, I was playing the drum, but I was also like lifting the speakers. I was setting up the DJ equipment, setting up everything. So I was like going there, carrying stuff. See this finger, how it's broken because I dropped a, a speaker on it. So, Damn. like, you, know, you go through that that phase of work. Then it's more of like, okay, now work can be more thinking. And I could be in a jacuzzi thinking I'm working, right? And yeah. so the work changes. And so now it's like I go out to dinner and I'm working because I'm talking to somebody and we're talking business. Now, when do I turn that off? Especially when you're, like, you got married, you got families, you, you got things to do. And it is tough in the sense of like, when you have a business, work is always on your mind because the business doesn't turn off. And I think that for me was like a big conversation with my wife before we were married, like knowing like, hey, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm not like most people. Like work is is my life. It's what I do. And it's even more than work because like for me, it's not just for the money, it's for the, the purpose, right? And so it's like, this is what I do. This is what I live and I breathe. This, this is me. So- she understood that before we married. And now still you, you got to like have times where we don't talk about work and we go and go on a date, but we still end up talking about work half the time, but it's like, <laughs> is your wife an entrepreneur? Too? She, she's getting into entrepreneurship now, 
Um, nice. But she she's become like I think it's kind of like one of those things where it took it took time for us to build a relationship to really understand like okay it's okay to talk about work and now she kind of encourages it more too and she likes it way more now than before so it's kind of like a a learning process where we had to kind of figure it out together. Before I used to also turn down a lot of things like I used to be very obsessed with like. I'm like, I'm not spending money. I'm not going to waste time. So I, I didn't never went on a vacation unless I was getting paid. Like I, unless somebody was getting married somewhere else and they were going to pay me to go there, I wasn't traveling. <laughs> unless uh, somebody was paying for the meal, I'm not going out to eat. Like I'd go out to the restaurant and I'm going to drink water. That's it. And I also like, I turned on a lot of hanging out with my friends. I turned down going out and like doing a lot of that stuff. And over the last few years, especially like I was like, okay, look, I am doing okay. Like, what do I want to be? Like, do I want to just have a lot of money or do I want to live a full life? And I was like, you know what? Having that kind of balanced life now is is better for me. But I went through a lot of imbalance to have much more balance. Like, I went through that phase where like, yeah. dude, I, I put it all in where I didn't spend money and I didn't spend time. It was just me growing it. And now I have, I'm fortunate to have more freedom in that like, hey, I can go out on a trip with my friends if I wanted to. And it's not going to affect me. And I know the business is going to be okay. And I know that I can, I can hang out with my cousins. I can go hang out with my friends. I can go and do other things. I can go out and do more. So that freedom is is definitely there. Like I, I have way more freedom now. I still work a lot. I work around the clock. But if I wanted to like not work, I have that freedom. And I'm very fortunate. I have a good partner, man. And yeah. she's been supportive of it all. And I think that helps a lot. It doesn't mean that it starts like that because if you're hearing this say, man, my wife doesn't like when I work so much, man, look, I get it. It was like a process where mm. I had to talk to her. We had to kind of come up with a balance and she had to understand me and we had to kind of figure it out. And it's like one of those things that, you know, we don't have a rule book on how to do it either. You know, you got to figure it out and how you're going to manage all these relationships and what's important to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that even answered your question. No, no, that, really that makes does. a lot of sense. Yeah. Thanks for sharing too, because you know I know that that's how you personally, you know, are with with your mentality and like how you're doing stuff, and it's such an important thing to like have you come on our pod, and it's like it means a lot because like when, when we even think about you know our community where we came from, why we're even doing this podcast, and the and the place that we grew from, like in our dance culture and stuff. Oh my God, like I I can't imagine how many times where i could have been like passively investing in something but i needed to go get those new nikes or i needed to flunk to go judge this event or i needed to buy this like collab jacket just because i know that nobody else would have it and it's fresh as freak even though like the fashion is very very quick and it's probably not going to be in season for like you know evergreen like that for a couple years you know but i just hope younger dancers especially you know what i mean people that like we this is where we came from would listen to some of this advice because I would have for sure taken it if I was younger, if somebody could just hand those keys to knowledge and information mm-hmm. on a silver platter like I feel like we're talking about today. I appreciate that, man. And if I can add to that, because I, I, I get it, man, because I was you know in the entertainment business, it's kind of similar. It's all about the show. And I was all about that. When I first started making money, my money only went to one place, my car. I, I, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's what I did, man. Like I, I had a Toyota. And the first thing I did was I upgraded the rims. Then I put in 
the subs in the car. Let, what Solara, man. Oh, okay. let's go. Yeah. Rims on a Solara. Uh, the rims on the Solara. I put the subs on it. Then I put the HIDs on it. Then I put the tints on it. Then I upgraded the sound system. And it was nice. Then I went to go put on Lamborghini doors on my Toyota. Because I found a guy that I could do it. And you so, put Lamborghini well, doors on your Toyota? No, no. So I saved up the money to do it. I saved up $3,500. I found somebody who could do it. And I wanted a custom one that I could switch from Lamborghini doors to regular doors. Wow. And so I wanted to get it. And so I found out it was $3,500. And so I saved up $3,500. I called up my cousin. I was like, yo, guess what I'm about to do? He was like, what? I was I'm about to put Lamborghini doors on my car. And the first thing he says is, you're so stupid. And, <laughs> and, and he, man, he knocked some sense into me. Because like, I was cousin. literally, I was like this close. I was about to go and do it. I even scheduled the appointment. And he sat there on the phone with me. He's like, dude, I promise you this is a bad decision. Don't do it. And see, he didn't go off the phone until I said, no, I'm not going to do it. But you go through that phase. And until something hits you, yeah. we're like, Oh my God, my car isn't doing anything for me. I went the complete opposite end. Then, like I went like cheap, cheap, cheap. Like yeah. there's a difference between cheap and frugal. I went cheap, and I went like I was not spending money on anything, and that's not healthy either. But it was a way for me to realize I gotta make up for the the stupid things that I did before. <laughs> yeah, you know what right, I mean? So it's yeah. yeah. So I get it, man. And, and it's okay to do that. Mm. Now it's like when you learn it, now you got to make the decision. Right, yeah. Right. Right. Well, dude, in light of everything, man, again, we could we could go for hours with you and, you know, you have so much to drop on us. But like, we love to ask every one of our guests um, their view and their definition of what success means. Success is making the world a better place. You doing something that makes the world better. And what I love about that is when you can go out and do something that makes the world better for you, you are seeing that success. The reason why I say it like that is because somebody's going to be passionate about world hunger. Somebody's going to be passionate about AIDS. Somebody's going to be passionate about something else. And people will criticize you for it. But that success is now focusing on what's important to you and going to help out. Like I co-founded this community service organization. And one of the things that we do is we feed people in Detroit, homeless people. And we get criticism. People will say, why are you guys fighting this homeless uh, food problem when you could be given the fighting the drug problem? And it's like, look, you got these people sitting at home complaining on their sofa about how you're changing the world. But look, your success is you finding what's important to you and making that difference because everyone's got a mouth and everyone's going to be able to run it. But only some people are going to actually do something about what's important to them. And that's what real success is. Yeah, man. Mm, Heck yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Love that. Do we got time for a lightning? Yeah, we got time for a lightning. We got time for a lightning. All right, cool. Well, then, you know, in classic uh, movement in the shadows uh, format, we do a little lightning round with uh, just some quick fire questions at you. And uh, we're going to just come quick with it. So, lightning in three, two, one. What's your favorite fast food restaurant? Oh, Chipotle. What was the last biggest financial splurge you made for yourself? Oh, vacation to uh, Jamaica. Uh, most influential person in your life? My grandfather. What's the next business venture that you're going towards? Growing what I have right now, man. I make the mistake of trying to do too many things, so now I'm focusing. I hear that. You mentioned uh, five categories of books. Uh, what would those five top books that you would recommend for people? All right, number one, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Number two, balance that out with a total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. Number three, Read The Creature from Jekyll Island if you want to learn about how money works. Number four, read How to Build a Sellable Business to learn about building a real scalable business. Number five would be uh, read a book about a biography. One of my favorites is uh, the guy that created CNN. I don't care if you're a liberal or Republican. His book is 
crazy and amazing and inspirational. Just very quickly, what is the biggest financial gain that you made in investment and the biggest financial loss that you made as an investment? The biggest financial loss that I made, it would probably be in my own business. This is like a few years ago where everyone would say, oh, if you do this, this, and this, you can build a blog that makes money. And I was really busy with a bunch of other things. So I was like, okay, let's do that. So we hired 12 freelance writers for the blog. I hired some staff to manage the blog and I hired like this top 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 consulting team to manage our blog to help grow it because i was like, I don't got the time i'll hire the best people i spent half a million dollars on the blog we made like two grand from it and i was like all right uh, that was a complete waste uh, so that was a total loss the best gain probably a real estate deal that i made it was a apartment complex that i bought where a guy took on too much debt he was fully over levered the banks forced forcing him to sell i made an offer they didn't take mine they took someone else's offer and then now another two or three months go by because it's like the due diligence research period. And then the last minute that guy backs out, they call me back up and they say, hey, do you still want to buy it? I said, yeah, but not at the original price that I offered. So then <laughs> I got a, a great deal on it and I uh, we renovated it. And it, the value of the property more than doubled. That's so, amazing. In your opinion, and not financial advice, yeah. what would be the next industry or asset, in your opinion, <laughs> that you think people should be on the lookout for? Well, <clears throat> I would say artificial intelligence and blockchain, but, 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 but don't chase the noise, man, because what happens with anything is people get excited and money goes in with artificial intelligence, you know, chat GPT made it big and you saw billions of dollars go into AI. And I was like, man, you guys are chasing hmm. the noise, right? Mm -hmm. What happens is bubbles are created. People get excited. People make a lot of money, then it bursts. Mm -hmm. And that's when the good opportunities really come up. So look for those good opportunities of uh, things that are going to really change the way that the world works. If money wasn't a thing, like it, it, it doesn't matter about how much you can make, like what would you be doing with your life if money wasn't a factor? And I, I really don't think I'd be doing much different. I, oh. I get to travel. Okay. I get to spend time with the, the people that I love. And I have a lot of fun while doing it. That's such a flex. He's looking at us. He's like, money isn't a thing. Right now, bro. What's <laughs> up? What kind of question it. is that, bro? I'm already doing it. I love it. I love it. Dead or alive, if you could have coffee, dinner with somebody, who would that be? Oh, man. You know what? That's a really hard question because I feel like I've been very fortunate. Like the people that I really like looked up to and read books with, I get to meet them now and, and, That's awesome. and do that. So I've been very, very lucky. Like, like for example, Rich Deport that I got to meet with Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I met with all, all the books that I read early on. So I've met all those people. So it's probably going to be somebody who is not alive. And you know what, man? I really don't have a great answer to that. Probably, if I could have like, if I could say, hey, you can have coffee with anybody tomorrow, man. It would be my, my grandma. She's been going through dementia, so I, you know, she for a number of years she hasn't been able to speak. And so if I could have meet with anyone and like. In a full capacity, it would be her again, man. Mm. Oh, it's very mm. sweet. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. If you could go back in time and go back to your, let's say your your twelve year old self, and if you can give yourself uh, a piece of advice to your twelve year old self, what would that be? Think even bigger. Think bigger. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, we love to um, explore the concept of mastery. You know, Bruce Lee has this famous quote where he says, I fear not the man that has practiced 10,000 kicks once, but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. And so the simple concept of putting in time, effort, consistency, persistence, and just being laser focused on any given thing, you can master something big or small. What is something that you feel like you've mastered in your life? 
Oh man, I think I really mastered the ability to. Well, I'm learning the ability to really focus. My mistake was just doing a whole bunch of random things, and they don't benefit each other. Now it's how do I do things that all mm-hmm. spin the same wheel? Mm-hmm. So working on that's at least that's something that I've I really learned a lot of. Yeah, I don't know if I don't think I've mastered it, but I've learned a lot of it. Bro, Jaspreet, uh, first of all, thank you for your time, man. You know, I'm I'm personally just really thankful for your your knowledge and your thank willingness you, to come here. I'm so excited for our audience to um, have watched or listened to this episode, and um, you know, would love for yeah, like this relationship to continue on, man. Absolutely, man. Well, I I love what you guys are doing. Okay, you're spreading thank great you, messages. Great. I mean, this was a lot of fun, and I would love to come back anytime you guys want, man. This was beautiful, man. So I really appreciate it. I love the kind words. I got to write down like the things that you said. I got to figure out where on my website it is and really like, <laughs> put them proper. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, thank you so dude, much. Thank you, man. Like like I said, dude, I, I think real, real knowledge and real gold uh, is out there for a lot of our listeners. And, and that is something we appreciate so much. And personally, I uh, admire you very much and what you do and what you have to offer. You know what I mean? But to like see like somebody who's been able to captain and hold the flag on something like financial freedom and success, I'm like, that's... That's a really dope flag to hold, man. man so, I appreciate you know, it. congrats yeah. with everything that you've done. Definitely, we're going to connect. We're going to stay connected. Uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Folks, uh, if you guys are listening, watching, thank you, first of all, for just tuning in. If you're finding this episode for the first time, we have many episodes that come before this with amazing guests just like Jaspreet. If you're really digging what we're doing, Please uh, hop into iTunes, leave us a rating. Five stars are always amazing. Write us a review. Make sure you're following us on socials. Kinja's podcast, Cast with a K. And we just appreciate your guys' time. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Kinja Bang, y'all. Kinja Bang, we out. Peace.